said hello, but what I heard was boop. <laughs> I did say boop. What I'm, I'm, I'm nervous about how you heard me say boop. Um, because I said boop as I booped the button to pick up the, the ring, to, to pick up the call, um, which now is giving me like sort of a little bit of, uh, I'm concerned about when Skype is actually beginning to listen to me and tell you about it. Uh, I guarantee you it's pre-listening somehow. Pre, it's pre, it's, I mean, I, Yes, I definitely said boop as I hit the button. So maybe you just got the back half of the boop, the post button. Uh, boop. There, it was a very chopped off boop okay. to the point which I thought it was the end of a word. All right. You were saying. We're, we're safe for now. Well, I don't know. I'm worried about time dilation now. Uh, Just you and me both, buddy. <laughs> So convincing. Yeah. So, I mean, you've had, you know, go 15 minutes to wake up this morning. How do you feel? <laughs> That's a really passive-aggressive way to point out that it we we met 15 minutes later than normal. Uh, I feel tired. Um, let's see, episode 11. I'm trying to remember to write down a note so I don't have to think of the podcast title later. Um, I feel okay. I uh, could have slept more. But I do have my weighted blanket, so I slept well. Right. You're you're good for sleeping through thunderstorms. <laughs> through uh, through my kid waking up. Children. Uh, yeah. And when I go back to sleep, I, I go back to sleep. It the whole it's the whole, it's how it's supposed to work. It's great. I was up late ish, uh, because um well uh, there's uh this is worth talking about there's been a resurgence of cards in our house cards uh games cards for games Uh and they are cards and they are licensed as star wars Um, okay are they trading cards or is it like a, a oh wait you just said it was a game yeah it's a game uh, and they are technically although i asked shannon to not use the phrase they are star wars cards um, <laughs> is it because that phrase is holy or triggering? It's triggering. It's not holy. Uh, it is a it's a game called Star Wars Destiny. It's like a uh, I don't know if you've seen this thing. It's it's by the people who have the Star Wars license who have been making like a million different Star Wars games, or they have the license for. Um, according to the dude I talked to at the booth at the Star Wars celebration. I know this is very much a, like, what happened to your cat? Oh, they died. Oh, they died when the burning roof fell on them. Oh, your house burned down sort of thing. I was at the Star Wars celebration is the bigger uh, thing. Then you knew that, but the listeners may not have known that. Uh, didn't they? I don't know. Uh, well, we all know now. Yeah. So going back to the micro for a second before we talk, go back to more of the macro event that led to all of this nonsense. The guy um, said that the you know they own the uh, non- board game license which is why they keep having to make things that are miniatures based and otherwise card based or or like not board game based because i think hasbro or somebody owns whoever publishes like monopoly I think fantasy flight does no so, so fantasy flight or owns did they trade off fantasy flight owns the non-board game license that's what i'm saying Oh. So they own that but that mean but like whatever company makes all of the standard stuff it's like Milton Bradley, or they don't exist anymore. It's, it's somebody who makes like Star Wars Monopoly, Star Wars Risk, all of that stuff. Though that company owns the board game license. That's odd because I hardly call those board games anymore in this modern era of fancy board games. True, truly, we are in a golden age of board and games. If any listeners are not aware, because they don't use media. Board games are super fancy now. They are so fancy, and they're way better. They're more elegant. The games are good. They are better. Yeah, there's. It's weird because it's. I think there was a time where uh, board games were my. I mean, you had to me. There's three 
sort of main categories. It's like real board games, which sounds pretentious as hell, but really just means like a board game that's been made in the last like 20 years. Um, Cause all that other stuff has been around the block a lot and has like, you know, monopoly, your saris, your, uh, which is just like simplified parcheesy. Um, your, uh, your, uh, golly, I don't know. Board, board games, Candyland, whatever. Like they're either, even, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah like, they're they're either for kids or they've just ladders. they're just super old and like the the mechanic. They're all the same game. You're going down a path, and things happen down that path. Yeah, basically, and that or life. Life is a good example. Um, and like so many of them were, you know, they have relatively simple mechanics. They've been around for, in some cases, decades and well, like a hundred years or something with Monopoly. And uh, so there's like real board games or modern board games is a less pretentious way of saying it. And then there's like party games, which in my my house growing up, you wanted to play a board game. I didn't have um, Candyland. We had you know we had like categories or something. Like my family tends to go with my my nuclear family tends to go with the uh, the uh, um, aggressive party game. <laughs> <laughs> the the game and if it's not already designed to be aggressive, there's a way to make there's it. There's so. a way. Yeah, they so like they um they'll they'll play some some uh balderdash or from some categories and there will be some yelling and and disagreements um inevitably. Um I actually you never do the thing where like you've been playing something for decades and then someone actually looks in the instructions and you discover you've been playing it wrong the whole time. <laughs> I think that that is almost more likely than any other scenario. Yeah, we did that with uh, categories um, recently. My family has always assumed that you got double points for guessing like a double letter. So if the if the clue is like actress and you say Susan Sarandon, you get two points. That's nothing. That's not a real rule. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, people- but it shouldn't be. I mean, these games are simple enough where a lot of times it's like, oh, well. I don't know why that's not a rule anyways. Well, it was like, it's, yeah, I mean, sure, house rules can improve the game, but I realized that over the years, people were getting away with things like, uh, like things in a bathroom and they'd say wet washcloth and get two points and other uh, people would be like, hey, you can't just put an adjective on something and they'd be like, yeah, I can. And like, they're arguing over... And no one was a like non rule. Yeah, no one's like, let's go check the bu- rule book, and then realize that the rules for category are like one paragraph long, and there's nothing about double anything. Um, it's just a template, man. It right? Really, yeah. There's nothing in the Monopoly rule book about stealing money at any point you possibly can, but yet it's a long held tradition. Monopoly, the least civil of all board games. Uh, yeah. So like modern board games. Where were we? Motherboard. Well, for a little while, uh, there weren't very many that had like crested the consciousness of the public, uh, and uh, and it was mainly like Catan, and that was it, or games that you know. And so my right. for a long and, time, and there's actually some older, pretty good board games, not quite as streamlined, but ones that have been reprinted oh, really? um, in the modern era. But no, they were very unknown. Most of them, um, mm. and impossible to get because you know they weren't like anything anybody knew, and there were only a f- oh, there's only a few. And that was my dog and cat playing together. Oh, that sounded. You want to call it that? It's very sweet. Yeah, it was a uh, uh, yeah due to distribution issues or whatever. Like uh, my impression of board games was like, Hey, do you want to get into miniatures or settlers of Catan? And I was like, no. And also mostly no. And then I hung out with you and played dominion years ago. Oh yeah. And I was like, this game is very nice. Um, and, but then getting at the time, this was 10 years ago, getting a hold of dominion was extremely difficult and I had to order it. Um, and it was expensive. Um, now Dominion is in Target. So, like, we've... All of this is... Yeah, that's proof. Yeah, new new board games are here, and they're here to stay. Um, so, like... and But and similarly, so Star Wars cards, uh, for the benefit of the listener, 
uh, <laughs> Star Wars collectible card game was published by Decipher, a company. From They had the Star Wars license from roughly around when the special edition came out, I want to say, to about, to about when episode one came out. So like mid to late 90s, early 2000s. And they made a, it was supposed to be a competitor. At one point, it was second biggest collectible card game behind Magic the Gathering. Really? Yeah, it was very big. Um, I mean, big in a market that probably at the time wasn't like humongously big besides Magic. Um, but this was pre, I'm pretty sure it was pre-Pokemon cards. So like, what else are you going to be playing then other than Magic? I think it. I think it overlapped, but yeah. <clears throat> yeah, when it came out, it was a big deal, and it was a beautifully done game. Like, the cards looked really good. Um, it used real frames from the movie. Um, they they did... What, the thing that I found so, so satisfying about it is they, like, they basically got permission from uh, Lucasfilm to build, like, in-canon... Uh, fiction around the most obscure background characters possible. And all that stuff got folded back into like Star Wars encyclopedias and guides and stuff. So you could play this game and you'd get a pack of cards and there'd be a dude who's on screen for four seconds, or no, four frames <laughs> in like the very, very back of some scene. Or maybe he's just some stormtrooper or a guy or like an imperial in the background or whatever. And they'd give him a name and then he'd get a little like blurb on the card and then he would you know he'd have stats and you could play a game with him it was great um let's see the w- there are two downsides to star wars cards that we should talk about though wait the the modern star no no, no. Wars the star wars collectible card game okay swccg uh Ooh. downsides were um number one it was a ccg and i think I, and possibly you, but probably more me, was unprepared as a young, tender child to make rational decisions about um, the wisdom of the type of collecting I was doing. Uh, You mean to try to purchase things? mm Mm-hmm. Those packs were like... Yeah, see, as much as I agree with that, like, that was my favorite part about it was of course I was more of the collector type and like there was nothing and yes it is a lot like gambling but there was nothing like opening a pack of cards and you didn't know what you were gonna get in it and you were and you knew them all and you were hoping to get one. Um like that I mean that's my most cherished memory of the whole situation. Yeah, it was uh my mind really mine too like there that was i i have two it was that and it was like playing you know playing myself usually uh in my in my room because i wasn't gonna my parents weren't didn't like to, in in their defense sort of like the there's the notion of like getting your mind around a ccg in that time period with limited access to them and your kids like 13 and they and you don't really want to they're I don't know I sort of feel it in terms of like uh them being so unfamiliar with it there they were there was never a universe in which they were going to take me to like a Star Wars card tournament or something or like a meetup right. or whatever yeah, yeah. and like that's probably you know, it was less prevalent back then it really like yeah in the, in the public consciousness that that was a thing people could do it was legitimately hard to find those cards sometimes and I would when we went to a new I was always looking for new uh you know, expansions. And I would, when literally one of the activities that I would do when we stayed in a different uh, city was to go look in the phone book in the hotel room and try to find places that called themselves collectibles yeah. or comic book stores. So They'd I could go sell singles. I, oh yeah. Well, I never had enough money for singles. Um, but yeah, if I, if I could find a place like that, I could go and like get a couple of packs. So my, my dad very like patiently would, occasionally throw me a bone and drive me to one of those places and I'd spend $10 or whatever, get a couple of packs. Um, but yeah, that, I mean, there was other less, uh, especially, mm, I did some things I'm not proud of. I think we even talked on this podcast about how, because I've, I've decided to legislate myself some equality in the marketplace. Um, because my, you, your parents would buy you, (laughs) 
a booster box of like 30 packs. And my parents never in my life bought me a single pack of Star Wars cards. I know, very sad. And so I, uh, I availed myself of some of your more common cards. Um, has that has that influenced your your views on societal equality um, more broadly? <laughs> no, that was a joke. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was really just I was mad at like not you, but I was mad at my like my parents for not. It was like right after Christmas or something, and I just remember being like. All I wanted, all I, I even said it to them. I think at one point, it's like all I wanted for was them to put like one pack of Star Wars cards in like my stocking or something. Just like recognize, uh, it was like a, it was more of a like a diplomatic recognition of it as a thing that I enjoyed, more so than like actually wanting an entire box. The of motion, <laughs> the motion to recognize Star Wars cards as a entity is been uh, rejected. The denied. <laughs> Denied. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I was, I was feeling very sorry for myself or whatever. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, the uh, I ended up with a lot of those things. It's sort of like rabbit hole for me in a way that, like, I think is just can be inherent to like my nature, and I see it in Archer too. Um, just the you, you just drill in on something and you keep drilling in on it. Uh, an interest or a um, or something, you know, something that you're excited you about. You see that in Ar- Archer? Oh yeah, like he he not with like something like collecting yet, but it is it is a personality trait that allows you to like really focus and get a lot out of something, or to like with him, it, it a lot of the time he's just like he gets super into a game, and then he'll like uh, get really far in it, or he'll start creating his versions of that game, which is really common. I have a million like uh. Probably, literally probably a dozen or two mostly two halfway finished construction paper based board games that he's like cut out the pieces for and he has all these systems and stuff and so he'll just pick a thing and just like go really deep on it really quickly um and and I that happened with me like it was it was um it was just a lot of you know I, I'm I'm a, t- a personality type that's particularly susceptible to collecting I think hmm that's interesting well well, yeah, that's pretty common. I th- yeah, I tend to never achieve mastery of any one thing because I don't know. As soon as I feel like I'm doing one thing too long, I'm like, "What else am I not doing?" I like I can't. Yeah, that's definitely the opposite side of the coin. In you know, it has its own thing. Yeah, but yeah. how what would happen in to relate it to you is that you now um, I liked collecting, but I was always a, at the level of like casualness about pretty much everything I did, even things I liked, um, and so that's like naturally. Uh, well, it's naturally frustrating when the casual person has more resources than the dedicated person, right? <laughs> like, yeah. it's like, how is the universe like this? Oh, now, now you're getting back into equality issues. <laughs> well, I mean, sure, you could draw that, that line. But, yeah, I mean, like, come on. A- anybody who's rich can just, on a whim, buy something that you may have obsessed about your whole life. And it just naturally causes frustration. Yeah, you're right. There, there's a million ways than that happened. There's the, the, the like dedicated musician who's worked so hard to get something. And then this other guy's just like, Oh, I bought this $3,000 guitar. I don't know. Thought it looked nice in the corner. <laughs> that I think I'll of... build a studio. <laughs> yeah. I think I'll build a studio. Um, yeah. I, you know what? It, that was part of it. I'm, I mean, it wasn't directly resentment at you, but it was a little like I, when you're talking about like time, invested right like i was like very into the like testing my decks and like getting these like you know building these like effective strategies with knowing what i knew about the cards and like you know i i had i definitely like put in the time and didn't get like any recognition for that but at the same time that's uh, that's part of what I want to keep Archer away from in terms of, I mean, I'm trying not to be too worried about any of it because he's eight. Uh, 
but that's that's the uh, carrot on a stick of every CCG. And magic is the same way, which is like if you don't, if you stop enjoying the fact that you have like one set of cards that plays a relatively even keeled game or equal footing game with another deck of cards. Um, and it, just enjoying the fact that a CCG gives you the flexibility to be like, oh, I'm going to change out these cards for these other cards that we, and you're just starting to build, try to start, start trying to build the best one. That's, mm-hmm. there is a ceiling of the best one in these games and it's generally pretty high and expensive and not that fun once you get there. So like, yeah. Yeah. And you know, you know, I, and actually I have a few friends who like to play magic and there's a lot of online magic now and stuff. And, yeah. um, it's interesting. This is an effect that shows up in a lot of places is that back in the day, or at least in our day, a lot of things were inherently limited, like access wise, like um, they were hard to, it was harder to communicate, um, you know, products out to people, all that, all that jazz. So what you end up with fewer product releases and, a more difficult sort of way to ever fully interact with that thing. And that was video games, board games, movies, all this kind of stuff. Yeah. And so everything, while it seemed like the ultimate good to just have a hundred card sets every year, I was, if you could, would have asked me, I'd have been like, man, they released three sets a year. It would be the most amazing thing in the world. And like everybody played it or whatever. Like you, you start to realize that there's no end to that. Or sometimes it actually just removes part of the thing that was fragile that you loved, which was the process, which is very common. And like you're saying like, yeah, you spend all the money, get all the cards, build the perfect deck. Like, where does that leave you at all? Like you realize, oh yeah, I loved doing this thing. And so now, like, I don't even know how it would ever be the same. Um, Cause I, you know, I looked at magic cards and stuff and they release, you know, several sets a year and they have to rotate out what cards you can even use. And Oh yeah. Yeah. It's just like, it's its own thing. Right. But the thing I loved about those may just have been a, a moment in time that you can't really recreate anymore. Well, that's, uh, yes. The, 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 the thing is, I feel like I've been around the different sides of this, um, for long enough and like made the right kind of wrong decisions. Um, that I think I know what I enjoy about this little destiny game. And, uh, I think I can keep it in that window without like, overreaching into uh too much competitiveness or too much cost or whatever because star wars originally star wars was like it wasn't just like yeah you said scarcity of product it was like scarcity of information both in both in terms of like legitimately not even knowing what set was out or whatever or in a lot of cases until i realized there was a website in like 97 or something that um not even knowing what cards you could get Right. So it was really legitimately exciting to open up a pack of cards and be like, what? You know, and, uh, or like go into a store and there's a new type of foil pack and you're just like blown away. Um, but like also just in terms of access to what worked well, like the, the I had no idea there was a competitive scene. I could, wouldn't have cared. Right. Like, and, and, but na- now, if you want to get into magic now, um, there's really no reason for you to buy a pack of cards because the, what you should do is go to tcgplayer.com, look up the latest tournament winning decks and click add to cart under one, which will do all of this insane e-commerce magic and find you the best price on all those cards from all of this network of sellers and ship it to your door for $150 or something like you can bypass the entire collecting aspect of the game and just buy straight into like an effective pile of cards. You see, even if you're a collector, the fact that you can do that removes the joy of collecting 
itself. Like you, it's not like, oh, well, that's what they do, and this is what I do. As somebody who enjoys the the exploration and the collecting aspect, like it's already gone. Yeah, it's it's not it's not even like on the table. And like uh, Destiny seems to be at least with the cards. I have very few cards in the that you actually play. Wait, with. Is it a is it a limited game or or is it just like here's the set and you can buy the this set? Um, I'm it. You get like starters that are twenty cards, and then some cards have die associated with them. Um, and it and then the uh, I think the games are actually played with thirty cards. So you basically get a smaller than usual starter to try it out, and then you can get some. The add-on packs are five cards, and and uh, you it's it's just fewer things. And uh, I, as far as I can tell, at least though, like swing toward really powerful cards is lower than magic because magic there are definitely cards that if you put it on the table and the other guy doesn't have an an equivalently expensive way to deal with whatever you did the game is just over um so it feels gentler and uh more like i i think like the the thing that makes these we're really getting into uh collectible card game talk but like the the thing that I think makes a game like this cool is that it's a board game that can grow and change, but it can grow and change. Board games are by def- definition balanced, right? Like both people have equal chance of winning a board game, even if it's like an asymmetrical game where you're doing different things. Um, CCGs run the risk of you having you just like playing against someone who's way better than you just because they have way better cards or you know you having way better cards than someone else. So as long as I can keep the um the destiny sort of like uh sides equal, like have a couple of decks that are good against each other and not like effective decks. Like I want nothing to do with the like bigger meta of destiny or competitive destiny or whatever. I just want to be able to like play with Shannon or play with Archer and Shannon by the way, weirdly into this game. <laughs> Um, ah, yeah, she's down. How is that? I know. That's why I was up late last night. We were playing destiny. I don't know. I think she, uh, I think she sees the appeal. It's a, like I said, the game itself is a lot less fiddly than magic. Like there's no phases on your turn and there's no like, uh, uh, response stacks or whatever they call it in magic where it's like, I play this. Well, I play this to cancel that. Well, I play this to cancel your cancel that kind of stuff. Um, <laughs> It's it's I'm looking at this. My boys would really like this. It's good. It's um well the thing is you just do one thing on your turn and that's it. So it has that like European that feels really common in a lot of your newer European board games where there isn't like a your turn is like a, a selection of things that you can do, but you get to do one of them per turn. Um so it's yeah, Archer wrapped his mind around it immediately. Um so yeah, it's cool. Uh oh, are, are you being yelled at? Yeah, that's how my kids talk to me. Oh, cool. Instead of looking for me or thinking about anything, they become conscious for two seconds, uh-huh. open their eyes, and yell, <laughs> Daddy! Uh, Felix has started to do this thing or where she um, meows like a cat instead of talking um, or uses a the, the, the non-word, Nyah! Which is like an N Y A A A sort of thing. You call it a non-word. It is already. It's been a couple weeks of nya, and I'm already super over it because she'll just use it instead of words. What she'll need is like, I want a glass of water or something, and she'll just go nya 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 until you come and see what she wants. Then she points at water and goes nya, and you're like, I can't, I I can't do this. You think this is that? You think that's a phase? You know, oh, no. it's not. This is the new. This is her oh, now, and you're going to need to accept that. Don't be such a, you I, know, traditionalist. I do feel <laughs> bad every time I say Felix. Use your words. Oh <laughs> but, man, I said I, that a couple times just for real, and I think, you know, what have I become? And then I was like, is there a better way to say that? I don't know. I think it's a useful phrase, and I always made fun of it. Yeah, I I think that the real phrase, the real thing to do is like to tell the child, um, I like it when you when you tell me what you need up front, and you you could explain why it is frustrating you to hear 
them yell and yaw over and over at you and like even say, how would you like it if I just yelled that at you? Not like threateningly, but like try to get, try to like get them to think about your feelings in the matter uh, or to empathize. I, yeah, I just you know? try to spin it around. I'm like, look, I would love to help you, but I only speak human English. So you can make all the noises you want, but it's not going to get you anything. <laughs> yeah. I need you to talk to me. Please stop. <laughs> Or, and then, yeah, she'll she'll climb on you and meow and rub her face on you and stuff, and which is cute, um, depending on what you're trying you to do. You guys haven't leaked your potential cat future, have you? No, but somehow she's convinced that she knows what's happening anyway. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, that sounds right. Sounds like my youngest. Yeah, she just decided that. I don't think we had a say in it, honestly. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, gosh. So, um, where was I, uh, before I wanted to, oh, I wanted to branch into a couple of different areas off of the destiny thing. Um, both of which are, um, areas that I think you are at least tangentially interested in. Uh, number one is I may have like created a monster with Shannon, uh, just in general, in terms of her interest in these games. So we have, you know, we've talked board games, I think off podcast, we've talked board games a little bit. Okay. Yeah. And we got, we've got. Imhotep, which is amazing, and I highly recommend. We've got Azul. We uh, we've got Azul. Um, those get played a lot. We you know we've got an assortment of your like relatively low money money entry point. Uh, you know, best board games according to BoardGameGeek.com yeah, kind of yeah. stuff. You know, I told you to get one. What was it? I think it was Tales Azul. of the Arabian Night or something. Oh, you gave me Tales of the Arabian. Oh, Nights that's, years that was ago. forever ago. Yeah. yeah. That game is amazing. That's a little bit more. <laughs> you gave me that, and that was an expensive board game. It was nice of you. Um, yeah, you're welcome. That game is sweet. I've only played it twice, but um, yeah, it's one of those. It's like a uh, it's a huge, beautiful board game that you play a character. This is all for the listener, and you uh, and you basically uh, everything is driven by this giant book full of. Well, it's like a choose your own adventure book, kind of. Where you roll, uh, or no, you don't roll. How do you even do it? I forget. Oh, you draw a card, and then based on what's on the card, you go read like a particular combination of like an adjective and a noun, and then that matches up with like a paragraph number, like a paragraph number 1,742, and then you go read that in the book, and something happens. And it's, it's all based on actual stuff from the Tales of the Arabian Nights. Oh, is it really? That's cool. Yeah. I, I do have no. Tales of the Arabian Nights, the book, um, from a, being a kid, but I haven't looked at it in a long time. So, yeah, it's it's uh, it blew Archer's mind, you know, the idea that they could even, like, make something. And it actually blows my mind a little bit, the fact that it, it the, the scale of the game is Yeah, how long did crazy. that play test take? Yeah, and I'm afraid to play it too much because I, I already am running against, you know, you occasionally have the same thing happen or whatever. Yeah, okay, as an aside, I was reading some, I don't know how I got on it, like a board game forum thing. And somebody was asking if anybody else thought some game was subpar that was pretty popular. And I was like, what? And Mm -hmm. so I was like, "Eh, clickbait maybe? So I go into there, and the guy explains how he felt like after... A while, uh, the replay, after enough replays, he felt like the game would only go a few of a certain ways. And he, like, and I was like, I was with him so far, I was like, oh, interesting, let's hear about this. And he was like, "I we probably played it through about 50 times now, and it's clear <laughs> that, and I was just like, oh, okay, okay, <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. First of all, it's fine that you have a different life than me, that you play a relatively complex board game 50 times. Yeah, that game takes a few hours. But No, it wasn't this game. It was oh, another okay. game. Oh, but okay. it, not quite as complex. But not like, you know, playing the game of Boggle or something. Right. Like, you know, it's going to take you at least an hour in setup. Um, in, in gathering people. Anyways, I was like... You've mis- fundamentally misunderstood like games in general. Like, yeah, you you have to understand the limits. There, uh, any game will become repetitive or transparent after fifty times. 
Yeah, if it's a discovery-based game like that, and you're not really, like, winning Tales of the Arabian Nights is sort of, like, incidental to, like, all of the yeah, weird I mean, stuff that happens. Yeah, a winner is crowned, I guess. Right, but that as opposed to, like, Azul, which is, like, a more of a traditional game in the sense that, like, hey, you're trying to get points before the game's over, and it... That's more of like a dual game, like chess, you know, like that sort of game. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If a game is being themed, yeah. if you play it enough times, you'll be like, oh, it's just this. And it's like, well, yeah. I mean, that's what all games are just hiding a mechanic, really. Yeah, there's not a strategy to Tales of the Arabian Nights because what you do changes depending on, like, the cards that you draw and stuff. Um but yeah, I could I could see that eventually becoming a problem, but not. I mean, at fifty, you know, I guess you're also the kind of guy to go complain about it online. Um, so so Shannon's like, I, I sent her a picture. So we were at the Fantasy Flight booth at the Star Wars Celebration, which uh, uh, and uh, there was a there was a miniatures painting area. There was actually a few areas. There was actually an area where you could go sit down and contribute to a diorama of Scarif, the the island fortress in uh in uh Rogue One that was like you could sit down and paint like a foam square uh with like coastline on it and then you could put a palm tree on it and put some stormtroopers on it or whatever and when you were finished they would add it to the diorama which ended up being probably like 40 feet square like this humongous Whoa, area that's pretty cool it was pretty cool like cuz the first day we went uh, it was the the diorama was sort of a zigzag. They had it setting up, set up on tables, and they were like filling it in in a way that allowed them to walk around in it. And by the second day, they were having to climb on the tables because it was like just a solid, you know, a solid uh, block of of diorama. Um, but there was also just like a smaller area that was a little bit less intimidating. Neither of us really wanted to make a palm tree, and we uh, <laughs> you could just like get a, a miniature. And then sit down and, and paint it, and it was free and everything. And because and I was like, free miniatures, this is insane. These things are always a zillion dollars. Um, so we, uh, Archer sort of picked colors and painted most of it, and I kind of filled in the extra. And uh, I, I could see the appeal of the miniature painting. Like it's a, it's it's very small. You have a very small brush, and uh, you can just sort of like focus in on it. Even me with my trimmer. Was I was still having kind of a good time of uh, yeah, you gotta lean into it, yeah. You well, yeah, it's it's like a, a scale at which you can you're not immediately lost doing it and you can focus and do details and then it has a satisfying result, I yeah. Mean, it's a very, yeah, it's got that it does something to a, a human brain that other that it, it doesn't feel like too much, right? Like you're not. It's almost like probably what Sudoku or something does for somebody. Like you've, you're filling in details, but you're doing it at such a teeny tiny level that you never you never look at it and you're like, oh, I have so much left to do, like you would with like you know drawing a, a, a drawing you know a bigger drawing or something. And uh, so I sent a picture to Shannon, and she was like, "Hmm, I could probably get into that." <laughs> and I was like, "Really?" Uh, so there's a like. Um, she's smirking at me, uh, from across the room. Yeah, there, there is a, uh, dark, dark future that I don't want to go down in which I buy miniatures and Shannon gets into painting Well, miniatures. I have some miniatures that I'm supposed to paint as props for a and d game. So if, if there's a minor fee involved, or let, let's put it this way. If there's an acceptable fee involved, I'm just going to send these up for Shannon to really work on and, and perfect. Well, actually, seriously, we are going to. Uh, I I I have the like the D and D starter board game, which is not great, but it's fine. Uh, and it came with what a few. Is it it's uh, the Castle Ravenloft. It's like a. Oh yeah, um, I know that game. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's like super simplified into beginner D and I'm going to take the figures out of that and maybe get some paint. I don't know. I have no idea how expensive paint is, but I, I, I even though I don't intend to play that game again, I wouldn't mind uh, seeing if this lands as like a relaxation thing. Because you know, we went through the. Did you ever buy the adult coloring book? Like, uh, yeah, we have some. Yeah, everybody. Abigail likes them. There was a huge adult coloring book phase that was mostly in our house consisted of buying adult coloring books 
And I feel like there is still something there, like a, a little close work thing that is relaxing. Um, but then she, so we're in the fantasy flight room, which uh, was like a big room where we played Destiny. And the second day when we played Destiny, they like gave us two starter packs, which was really sweet of them. And uh, there was they were playing the other large scale games that they have. There's like a grid based tactical game. There's like a um Did they have uh, imperial assault there yeah they, that that's the grid based one i think okay and then they had like uh people doing rpgs in the corner and like there was a uh armada which is like the x-wing miniature game yeah. but like with but giant with capital ships, ships. Yeah. yeah and but then they had one that the guy who i was talking to said was the best you know he's very serious he's a very nice man but also the kind of person who's going to be very serious about his star wars uh board games and he said i believe this is the greatest game ever made um, and I was like, I'm sorry, oh, what? Okay, thanks, man. Uh, Star Wars Rebellion is the one that he uh, thinks is the greatest game yeah, ever made. Yeah, so I, I own that game Ooh. as a gift from a previous Christmas at some point, right? Because it's not a cheap game. No, it's like $100. And, and yeah. It was hard to get, so I think I had like a, I don't know how it happened. Well, <laughs> it's intimidatingly like massive and... I don't know. I haven't played it. Long story short, mm, well, looks interesting. You know, so I will say that the one eyebrow raised. Mm, I could get into that. That Shannon said about uh, miniatures. I would say her eyebrow went about forty percent higher, and the mm was about forty percent more enthusiastic about Star Wars Rebellion. She was like, "I think so." I think what it is is like Shannon, she does like board games. Um, she's generally positive about Star Wars. Also, I would challenge anyone. We have I haven't really given my overall temperature of the Star Wars celebration, but even if you're vaguely interested in Star Wars, there is a sort of excitement about everything Star Wars at that place that is pretty infectious. Um, and like, I can imagine. So she was like, she she's cool with Star Wars, but also bolstered by at the time by the general atmosphere. And she really likes tiny things, just like, <laughs> you know, like it's been a, a, a running joke for me, our entire marriage, that if something is tinier than it is supposed to be, she generally finds it uh, adorable. And so she's picking up these little tiny, you know, the TIE fighters in that game are like a quarter inch tall. And she's like, ooh, these are built really nicely. <laughs> I'm like, yes, yes. <laughs> Welcome to tiny things board games like the so she's she's into she's that. eventually going to be locked in a room with giant magnifying glasses over her face like trying to do one of those pencil tip carvings or like the uh like the dude in blade runner that has the eyes in the um freezer office yeah yeah I mean, it's gonna, that's her future just everything will get progressively smaller <laughs> one day i'll have to step in it doesn't get, they don't make them any smaller. Come back, <laughs> come back to the land of the large, Shannon. Come I'm going to go us. make my own small stuff. <laughs> Not small enough. <laughs> Just in a, in a cell scratching on the floor. Oh, hey. Not small enough. Oh, no. Uh, we'll visit her. Huh? You have a visitor? No, we'll visit her. Oh, we'll we visit, will her? visit her. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Not, yeah. No, I was worried you were going too dark there. But if we'll visit her, then the joke is not necessarily. No, that's totally yeah, normal. Yeah. You recovered it back to yeah, not at totally. all too dark. Um, yeah. The uh, the I'll, I'll end up buying Rebellion at some point. I'm sure because like, yes. Do I want <laughs> do I want someone on the premises that's willing to play basically Star Wars Axis and Allies with me? Hell yes, I do want that. Um, <laughs> So we'll, we'll, we'll report back if that ever happens. She actually, and this is uh, what I'm saying. So we got the two starter decks, and then I got home yesterday, and she presented me with the, uh, she had on her own bought the like two-player starter, which comes with two more decks. And I was like, floored. Uh, <laughs> I think it actually, you know, if we're if we're tracking this in terms of the world revolving around me, that is the first time someone has ever bought me Star Wars cards. That's my assumption. <laughs> oh, so that's why you, you asked her not to call it that, because there's too much like psychological 
the intensity tied up in here to like handle all at once. So you're like, let's slow roll this, okay? I don't, I'm not prepared to un re unpack this. I, I, I or, just, this doesn't have you know. to be the same box. We can keep that <laughs> box packed. We'll start a new box over here that's explicitly called Star Wars Destiny. So we don't have to say Star Wars cards. I don't have to think about how I once took $20 from my mother's wallet um, to buy Star Wars cards. I don't have to think it's, about that. Uh, is there a euphemistic word for card? Or we're just lost on that. No, no. I legit stole money one time to buy Star Wars cards. Hi, Mom. <laughs> um, well, you know, it could have been for crack. So that's true. <laughs> that was what I that's what I always told my parents anytime they complained about us because we were like not in trouble kids, right? No, pretty standard for you know where we were raised, I guess. But um, yeah, I was always like, you guys are making such a big deal here. Like, relatively speaking, like I am one of the least troublesome children that I know or, or like in the world, you clearly aren't having a real problem here. We're arguing about trivial things. Well, not surprisingly, that argument didn't really do any kind of thing for me. Yeah. How'd that go? But it still got me frustrated. <laughs> yeah. Same. I've had, I had the same thing. So it's like, I'm not, go, I'm not smoking. I'm not, yeah, yeah. I'm not graffitiing. I'm not breaking. I'm not stealing. I'm not rhyming. I'm just I'm not, a nerd. <laughs> rhyming was okay in my house. That was a beastie. I tried to do rhyming and steal, and I did uh, in the wrong, okay. wrong order. Oh, wrong order. Okay, yeah. that was confusing. But, I, I, yeah, I mean, it was like, yeah, I, I, we were um, good kids. Uh, we were nerds. And uh, we didn't hurt, didn't hurt a damn fly. Um, mm-hmm. I mostly got in trouble for getting home late. Just as much as anyone else. That's right. Woe is us. Uh, <laughs> I feel permanently <laughs> scarred, and I'm a lesser person for it, clearly. Ugh. Um, nah, I'm fine. The Star Wars celebration, To I, I feel like I was attempting to curve outward into like the larger scope of, what the, of that stuff, I, and to moderate to mild success. Um, Star Wars? Star Wars celebration. celebration. Just like I, um, at a, like, you know, I tried to, I tried to, arc my way uh topic wise from like specific game larger gaming opportunity story and then star wars celebration it didn't really work um but here we are i want to make sure that i get my my thoughts in on this and and uh weigh it against what you may i believe it was after the mic stopped after we stopped rolling last time um you're relatively uh relative level of distress about the concept of someone spending $200 to get a picture with Hayden Christensen. I felt, yeah, I felt reasonably uncomfortable with that concept. Yeah. Um, (laughs) so we were there and it's a, a fan convention. Um, so I would say that the, the, I didn't really think about it for a while. Um, and then afterwards, realized that the the one of the things that makes the star wars celebration feel nice is that it doesn't feel super heavily licensed which is a weird thing to say about someone that is star wars something that is star wars based but it's just uh it's mostly like booths that are like people who have collectibles and they're reselling them and stuff uh and there's a whole section dedicated to the 501st you know the like enthusiast group that Takes their yeah, costumes we have a really big seriously. one here. Actually, oh, yeah? it's it's wild. Like I'm serious. Like fully everything. Oh the, wait, the big uh, a convention or the five hundred first legion? Five hundred first. Oh okay. Yeah, this they they man they they seem very dedicated. <laughs> oh yeah. What, but they had like props. So there was like a full size X wing there that was not, and a full size Tie fighter that were were made out of like plywood and junk parts and stuff like the this stuff was not shipped in from disney uh there Mm -hmm. was a disney booth that advertised it was very elaborate it advertised the the new park add-on thing at disney and there was like a um there were a couple other like bigger company booths like there was a hasbro booth and a ea booth and stuff but the majority of the show floor was just people like just dudes who have like a ton of old collectibles or um, 
Like the 501st had a whole section of the floor where they had a bunch of like props that people have just built. So you go get your picture in the emperor's throne chair. But again, like somebody made it, I assume like this stuff didn't look uh, ready for prime time. You know, if you really look closely, right. It was right. It looked hand. It looked handmade. And I mean, if you ask Shannon, all the props were far too large, far too large. Yeah. That's a, um, I need to talk to her about that really. Um, but the, it was cool. It was, it was, um, the, there was just, I feel, I have never been to Comic-Con, but one of the reasons I'm kind of don't want to go to Comic-Con is I feel like it would probably be like nerd Coachella or something where you're there and cool stuff is sort of around, but also you have this vague awareness that it's all being driven by some like massive corporate interest. Um, <laughs> and this doesn't feel like that. Uh, I mean, it That's was cool. It was uh, it it had its elaborate stuff, and like the but like the there was enough like just people with old cool Star Wars stuff around the edges um, that uh, that it felt kind of refreshing. And, like, the, the costume, costumery <coughs> was uh, very impressive. Um, Archer, at one point, we're walking around. We, he and I went together one day, and then we all four went the next day. And he, uh, he was having a great time. We're walking around, and he, at one point he goes, Dad, I don't know what, any, what is happening here at all except for Luke Skywalker, but it's still awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I like how literal he is. Like, he doesn't really try to, to work certain things out beforehand or it be embarrassed that things aren't making sense in a certain way. He's just like, this is how I see the world. Yeah. He's, he, he'll let you have it. Um, for sure. And he's, you know, that didn't mean he was down for everything. We found a uh, we came across a man who was in a unsettlingly good old emperor Palpatine robe with the, with the full face makeup and everything. And a very, oh, wow. a fairly convincing voice, um, and Archer did not want to get within 20 feet of him. Uh, my favorite thing about him is uh, there was a dude following behind him just dressed in as, as like an Imperial general or whatever. And I think that if you're, you know, 55, 60, it's prop person. Oh, he's just like his. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't say anything. <laughs> he just, all he has to do is walk around behind his buddy who has an insane amount of latex on his face. And just like look stern, uh, and be old, and and it, he they were great. They were he was like tonally the exact right dude to be following around this like elaborate Emperor Palpatine guy <laughs> who just went around going, I have foreseen it. Yeah, he was foreseeing a lot of things yeah, and lots sure. of things. That's mainly what he does is foresee. Uh, costumery wise, I will say, if you want a general temperature of what the star wars fans are into in 2019 uh i saw no padawan braids whatsoever (laughs) we've (laughs) we've passed the uh reference point for anything from episode one or two except for a lot of darth mauls basically if you don't have hair you can be and you're dedicated you can be a darth maul it's good to know there's always options yeah (laughs) that's true yeah you you definitely are a darth maul candidate yourself um, you know, if I'm going to be dressing up in a costume, wigs are on the table, right? Yeah. That's just how it is. Uh, there was a weird amount of wigs driving Han Solo costumes, which I feel like maybe. Really? Yeah, maybe if you can't just have, like, what in retrospect is fairly normal dude hair uh, from a time. I don't know. I feel like a wig on a Han Solo costume puts you into Halloween territory. Yeah, um, wigs are uh, last last resort i mean for some people so are you saying that the prequels are solidly out of vogue no i would actually say um ahmed best i did not see him but he was there jar jar binks himself uh the man who post episode one release apparently was driven uh, out of the industry and uh, much like jake lloyd suffered some psychological um, problems due to the way that their characters were received and everything else. Wait, but his, he was then, I don't understand. It didn't really have anything to do with him. Yeah, but the pe- written character, but I could see how the, the vitriol would affect Right. Him. The vitriol affected him in a very real way. Um, and he was out of things for a long time. He was there this time. 
And I think that like, I think that the, the people have come around to, if not the entire thing, like aspects of those movies, like they're far enough in the past that people aren't mad about anything. Not that they ever should have been right, but like the, there is, there was uh, enthusiasm around him and like the uh, people have picked the things that they like from that time period and gone with it. Like there were certainly a lot of Darth Mauls. There were certainly no Jar Jar Binks's and that's okay. Everyone sort of had reached their peace with that stuff, I think. Um, but there was there was like a um there are there is a lot of like confusing stuff from TV shows that I'm not up with like I uh, like the cartoons I don't know really a lot about but I know they get pretty popular yeah there's like a there was a dude in a young Obi Wan sort of deal with a real beard and stuff and he was in like pieces of clone trooper armor which was just a very confusing like overall thing for me because um, I didn't watch that show but apparently he wears some armor um. Stuff like that. Uh, there, there were no C-3PO's. There was a robotics-based BB-8 rolling around. Uh, that was pretty cool. Uh, yeah. Star Wars, so, con- Star Wars convention. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it turns out. You didn't out, dress up? I didn't. You know, that. so Shannon and I, in our very, very long walk back to our car, because the Star Wars convention is at a place called the McCormick, or was it a place called the McCormick Center, which is a mind-bogglingly gigantic uh, convention center complex south of town. And I parked in the, what I assumed was the parking lot to park in, was actually the parking lot to park in if you were going to go to the other part of the complex. Uh, and by, <laughs> by walking was probably close to a mile from the convention floor. Like we walked wow. in a, we walked down th- the parking lot, up this pathway, into this door, into a room that was huge and had fountains going and no one in it except for a security guard who then told us to go up an elevator to level two point five, and then over to <laughs> over to this other door and then down the stairs, like four flights of stairs, and 2. then across 5. the street. Huh? Yeah, I don't know. A two point five. Was that one of those things where like you had to crawl at a half size <laughs> yeah, door? Was, and yeah, no, it was ju- like the John Malkovich uh, room. Uh, no, it I was- become very uncomfortable with places bu- constructed places so large that like no one's in them. Like I feel like I'm immediately in some kind of dystopian movie where I don't know. Yeah, if- everybody died, or we outstripped our purpose for existing (laughs) Uh, i'm like get me around some people this was i think if you wanted to make like a budget sequel to equilibrium the movie or something yeah you you could go do it in these like weird anti-chambers that we were finding ourselves in (laughs) on our way to like the other half of the massive like these rooms are were very large and very empty and had um inexplicably like i said fountains uh firing off in the corner it was strange um, I've totally lost the thread of what I was originally saying. Oh, uh, you walked a mile. But we walked you a mile. Costumes. I went, oh, so we're we're walking back this like weird journey, talking about uh the the what it takes, right? What it takes for these people to travel sometimes you know a thousand miles because the next one of these is in Anaheim. Um, they're not always here. And you know they've got their costume, and I'm I've 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 looked into it I, <laughs> enough to know that it takes some dedication to get like a stormtrooper outfit put together. You've got you got there's some plastic shaping involved. There's like it's two thousand dollars worth of equipment plus time and um, you know dedication, and they do it uh, you know to come to these things, and to Shannon's point there you know you probably build your vacation around it right like you just you treat it as a way to have that decision made for you you go out to some yeah, new place sense. yeah you you spend five days at the convention you spend a few days on either end hanging out or whatever but like i i was there two days and i kind of get it like i get it the idea that like you could go buy your five-day pass and like go um waltzer like be in a place be in one of the only places where um, you at, at to a large group of people are exhibiting your like constructed thing, like whatever your your costumery is, in a way that people are like, 
oh man, look at that. And trying to get pictures with you and stuff. It's like a very, it must be a very satisfying confluence of your hobby and people being excited about your hobby. Oh, I bet. Yeah. Like, and, but it also takes um, like such dedication. That's, you know, like if I, I want a stormtrooper costume, you know, but like, I don't want to spend $2,000 on it and I don't want to go to Anaheim. So, you know, I think it comes back to that would breach my level of, of, dedication to any one topic <laughs> like there's like that hard limit so it would never be i could never imagine committing enough of my existence to it to be like also doing what you say like well where else am i gonna go that's going to perfectly reinforce what i spend most of my non-work time doing you know what i mean yeah and uh but that's fine well, I think. It, is it fine? It's so, I mean, it's I guess totally so. Fine. It's, a, I, it's a value judgment. It's not. It in I. That's why I told Shannon. I was like, man, I'm just not. I don't think I'm a. Re, I don't think I'm that level of fan. Like I've, I'm a, I would be afraid that I would get tired of Star Wars if I got too into Star Wars. She was like, you're you're a pretty big fan, <laughs> and I was like, I'm not though. I am enough of a fan to know how deep that rabbit hole goes, and I'm looking down it. And I'm a, and it scares me. It's not <laughs> like I know a lot about Star Wars, but not not in a not in the a real sense. Not in I have not dedicated time and money and uh, you know travel and whatever else to this pursuit. And I I she and I both you know like we were at the uh, uh, the ep- the seventh Harry Potter book meetup one time in Nashville just cause. Like, I don't think I had even finished those books at that point, but like, we both <laughs> You're just like, like, yeah, that was crazy, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, the part where, um, no, uh, no, it was, there's a, um, I'm sort of just fascinated by, uh, enthusiasts, like real enthusiasts, because I don't feel like I am, yeah, I'm that much of an enthusiast of everything. And we totally talked about this on the, on the show before. Okay. It's like, uh, oh, this, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like skimming off the top of, the various enthusiast cultures just because they're interesting and cool, but like not really wanting to dip my toe in. Like, like I, 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 w- it would be cool to have a stormtrooper outfit. I don't feel any like compunctions around that. Uh, I think compunctions, right. You should like be rich enough that to get a stormtrooper outfit would be trivial enough that it's not also committing all of your, life to being a star wars fan so you need to be rich but are you just the guy who buys the three thousand dollar guitar and sits it in the corner at that point yeah you are but like it's not your problem (laughs) yeah that's the luxury i guess of that kind of person oh man i don't want to be that guy (laughs) no i don't think so either well but then again i I could have being a god among Star Wars fans. <laughs> they don't know. I'm just an awesome stormtrooper. That's it, right. You could have a guy fall. You could have Archer follow you around in an equally awesome little outfit or something. Oh, man. I don't I don't even really want to get... Like, every single time, because I have children, and I know how different they are from me, ultimately, and I like that. Every single time I saw a kid in, like, a elaborate outfit, of which there were a few of them, especially families in outfits... I wonder what the kids uh like what the kids role in that decision was every time. Right. I mean kids like enthusiasm. So at some level I think they're going to have fun getting to do fun stuff, but I cringe a little bit when kids express overly specific ideas about stuff or, you know, in the costumes and in, in like in like the pictures of proudest day as a father and the kids like dressed up in something they made for the kid you know it's like yeah. kid, i i'm happy for the kids because they're having fun in a way that their parents are confused about i think sometimes right <laughs> but if you like <laughs> like it's not the kid doesn't think that like it's fine like have fun and let them do their own thing mm, yeah i mean and maybe every one of those kids was really into those characters, but it reminded me of like walking down Southport here in Chicago at the, you know, the uh, Halloween street fair thing and seeing a family all dressed as the Incredibles and 
that happened more than once. I want to say there were three or four full family Incredibles sort of situations and wondering, was this a family decision? Was there a vote taken? Was one of the kids like, no, I, well, I simply love Disney's The Incredibles, The Incredibles 2, a marginally successful sequel to the original Incredibles so much, mother and father, please let us dress as The Incredibles. Or was it the was it one of the parents being like, I we all need we need to plan here. We all need to dress in a consistent manner. Put this on. <laughs> like I don't know. I think it's well. I seen online as more like nerd virtue signaling, where it's like, <laughs> look at what my kids become the perfect whatever, and it's like, nah. <laughs> I mean. I'm all for letting kids dress up and stuff. They love it. Nerd, Just don't be confused yourself about it. Nerd virtue signaling. Nerd <laughs> virtue. That's so true, though. You know. Yeah, I know exactly. I mean, what I'm mean. borrowing a phrase. Okay. Fine. No, I get it. I uh, I actually maybe I just didn't notice it because I was too busy painting miniatures, or but like I <laughs> I didn't feel that at the Star Wars thing. You would think that would be a big part of that, right? Like the. Um, you know, oh, they're not real fans sort of thing. But Star Wars convention comes down to like, yo, Star Wars is sweet, the convention. <laughs> so it worked out. Um, <laughs> at least at least from what I saw uh, as, a, as a lowly, uh, you know, entry-level enthusiast. Ooh, entry-level enthusiast. Mm-hmm. Well, it sounds, sounds pretty cool. So anyway, I'm looking over in the corner at my new uh, Stormtrooper outfit. And also, we're not moving this year. <laughs> Those are unrelated. Unrelated. Uh <laughs> <laughs>